It feels good to be back home. It really does. Um, we were in uh, Texas for about, I don't know how long, maybe it felt like forever. Um, <laughs> it really did. And I'll tell you what, it was super, super hot in Texas. <clears throat> My voice is still kind of a, when we were there, they had something called the safari, so African safari dust that came in to Texas, and it covered the whole blanket and all of the Texas. And so <clears throat> my voice is still kind of battling that a little bit. Um, dust, get out, <laughs> right? But, you know, on the way over there, and I just felt like there was so much that the Lord had us to go. Because, you know, we say this often that, that the Lord will send us a place, not just to deliver, but sometimes he'll send us to a place to pick up what we need so we can take to our next destination. And I really feel that's what the Lord did with us. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of speaking engagements scheduled when we went to Texas, but the Lord opened up all kinds of doors when we were there. When we were there. And uh, it was just, it was phenomenal. But one of the things that we heard that when we were driving... The Lord just began to speak to both me and my wife, and we, we both heard the Lord say that it, has come, that, that it has come full circle, that we had seen full circle, and that we were entering into a season, and I'm speaking prophetically right now over the house and, and over you guys, but that we had come into a season where we had come full circle. See, some of us have been going, we've, we've gone around mountains, there's things that we've had to overcome in our walk with the Lord, you know. And and in the process, it might have been really hard for some of us. And I know I went through some things, and and but that we had gone full circle. You know that, that we never miss an opportunity with the Lord. We don't. The Lord doesn't, like, punish us and, like, ah, that's what you get, no more. But we don't miss an opportunity. But what we do miss is sometimes we miss the timing of the Lord. And in the timing that we miss the Lord, it's like the Lord is, is blowing the horn on the glory train. It's like, boop, boop. And it's time to get on that train. But some of us are too busy trying to bring our, our baggage. And we're focused on what we want to take with us that we miss the opportunity to get on the train. And the Lord's like, it's okay, you missed it. It's going to come back around. You see, we always have an opportunity with the Lord. And I feel that's where we're at right now. I believe that we are in, and I'm speaking prophetically, that we are in a season right now where we have come full circle. And the Lord's saying, are you ready? Are you ready to get on that train? Are you ready to step into your destiny and your purpose? Are you ready to see your calling activated in who you are as a son and daughter? He says, it is time that we are in a time now of the unfinished business. I think, I think Apostle Alice might have mentioned that last week. That we're in the time of the unfinished business. Some of us have unfinished business. The Lord has promised you and there's promises over our lives that we haven't stepped into for whatever reason. And I think that unfinished business means several things some of us need to we need to forgive people we need we need to begin to move in in in, in humility and, and honor and, and begin to love those that are around us 
I, I don't know what it is this morning, but I, I just feel like the lingering love of the Lord, even because, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, oh, but I just feel that the peace that we're in the time of some unfinished business, and it's time to see those things get completed. You know, we have been in, you know, when, when the Lord moved us completely out of Texas, and we went to Alabama for several years, and we spent a, a, about four years in Alabama, and then we, we went back to San Antonio and, and for like just several months, and then the Lord pulled us right back out and brought us to Ohio. Now we're here with four or five years in Ohio. And we visited Texas, and we visited places and, and as itinerant ministries, and everywhere we would go, they would always tell us, we feel like you're supposed to move here, right, you know? Like, there's something that God has for you here. Maybe you're supposed to move to New York or Detroit. I'm like, no, 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 no. But when we would go to Texas, the only thing that we had in Texas was our family. When I lost my, my dad and, you know, Alice lost her mom and her dad. And, and, and so going back, it just feels different now. And I never felt sad leaving San Antonio like I did this time. And it was, it was different. So we went into San Antonio. And mind you, we're, we're you know, 1,300 miles away here in Ohio. And the Lord says, will you go to San Antonio and will you love on my people? I said, of course. So, so we began, we, we do this, we part, start planning an outreach event. Y'all, y'all heard, y'all saw an outreach event. And we're, 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 we're planning, like, the city of San Antonio to come together, diff, different ministry leaders and pastors and, and groups from all over. And listen, it was, it was a powerful time. It was hot. It was like 117 degrees heat index. It's ridiculous. I almost passed out, like, three times. It's wild. It ain't Ohio, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <clears throat> but... We saw the Lord bring restoration to the city. Ministry leaders, apostolic leaders, pastoral leaders, teachers, evangelists, all came together for the greater glory of the Lord. It wasn't about a person's ministry. As a matter of fact, we put the whole thing on and I didn't even speak, which was good because I felt like it needed to be the leaders of the city, the region. Apostolically, that's what we do. We go in and we build. We had over 45 people encounter Jesus. We had a prayer tent. We had a tent with, with nothing but intercessors and prophetic intercessors on one corner, praying for people, prophesying on people, laying hands, miracles, signs, and wonders, breaking out in one tent. We had hip-hop artists going, preaching the gospel. Bam, come on, it was good. And we were giving everything away for free. Nobody had to pay for a thing. Thank you to our partners, people here that sowed. To help us get out there, we were able to bless the region. <clears throat> and we saw the city come together. And then it comes time to leave. Because, see, prior to us leaving the very first time, we plowed many, many years, me and my wife, in the city. 
like we did here, like we've been doing here in Ohio. We plowed and we, we built and, and, and we laid ourselves down. We surrendered everything for the gospel. Like literally, we gave it all to God. And then we get to go and we finally see the fruit. <laughs> get to see the fruit of what God does. And it's time to go. I'm just being vulnerable with you guys right now because I need you to hear my heart and what God's doing here in Ohio. I said, Lord, why, why do we have to leave? Like, and these are just my personal conversations with the, with the Lord. Like, because it felt bad. Like, leaving it, my heart was sad. Because we got to see the fruit of what we felt we were able to contribute to in a season of plowing. And the Lord told me, he says, you can't have any of this fruit. See, sometimes the Lord will have us plow and build simply to give it away. <laughs> To give it away. How does that work in the kingdom? I, I, I don't know. But that's what the kingdom does. If you think of the natural, it's like the person that goes and works 40 hours a week. He works overtime in the sun just to give it to somebody. And the natural makes no sense. But in the spirit, oh, it honors God. It honors the Lord. So I'm having this conversation that, that morning, Sunday morning. Listen, I don't, I don't even have a message really for today. I'm just, we're going to flow with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read some scriptures and, and I pray that you're blessed. But I'm there on a Sunday morning and I'm having these conversations with the Lord. Actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. <laughs> so we got to stay with my mom. And the room that my mother put us in, just so happened there was a nest that was right down the window, right next to my bed, about three feet from where my pillow laid. And every morning at 5 o'clock, <laughs> it was, It was a dove. But at the moment, I wasn't spiritual. <laughs> at that moment, it was like an alarm clock that I could not get to. Going and going and going. <laughs> and then, then it would go. <laughs> and then Alice would be like, hey, well, your friend's back. Yeah, but all week it stayed there. But my mom told me that when we left, it, it, it was no longer there. That she hadn't heard it, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what that means, but I do know that that the Lord is with us. 
See, sometimes when he'll send us to a place to pick up what we need, we go on assignment. There's assignments that the Lord has for each and every one of us in this place. Every one of you is a leader that is destined to lead in the kingdom of God. And when we get to see this thing come into full circle, and I feel like the Lord is saying, I need you to get ready. Because there's something about to happen. And we need to be ready. So Sunday night, that Sunday night, I was asked to go. Me and Alice were asked to be involved in a panel discussion with, the, with my pastor and, and another apostolic leader there. And, and um, it was a great time. But towards the end, they, they began to prophesy. One of, one of the, the, the prophets began to prophesy. And I want to read some of this right now. And I try to transcribe some of it, so it may be a little mistakes here and there, but just work with me. But this is what they said. They said, Ohio, I heard the next phase is upon you. There is another phase that you have been like. One phase and there's another phase now that is just taking place. Listen, you're in, this, is, this is the word for this house. And how God's going to influence a region. And he says, unusual miracles and notable people of influence, people of love, and of high-caliber governmental business you um, are coming. So there's a whole other phase where there's, there is a breaking out into other spheres and other mountains. Other spheres that is breaking out to businesses and government and education. And all these different dimensions and so much more. So I want to encourage you that there's a next phase that is upon you. Thank you, Lord, that there is a greater grace to build. The Lord says, I'm releasing a greater grace to build. A greater reach to build. And then he went on to say, the only thing I can find in Scripture that terrifies the enemy are people who know how to build. And I just declare the builder's grace is upon you. <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. Lord, why can't I have some of this fruit? I want some of that fruit. Looks so good. Have you ever had, you know, somebody has a bowl of fruit on their table? Like, man, look at that orange. You're like, whoa, I want that orange. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, Bart. Me too. <laughs> but there's something about the fruit. Fruit. Good fruit. And then they went on to say, Ohio, I'm seeing that the soil is very rich. 
very rich soil, and I see the sprouting of the fruit and the harvest. I see where the things that are coming out of the soil, seeds are manifesting out of the soil. It's good soil. I just sense the Lord saying, you have been filling, you have been tilling the soil well. You have been tilling the soil well and it's going to produce for you beyond what you ever thought. The soil has been, it's been turned over and it's been broken up. It's broken up the hardened ground and just turned and turned. So that's where you have been. That's been a lot of what your phase one was. For you guys, you've been in phase one. It's just been breaking the ground open. You've been breaking the ground open where you have been. You have been tilling the soil. You've been breaking open the atmosphere. You have been tilling the soil in the breaking and the hardened ground, breaking open the atmosphere as well. But I'm but um but phase two is now upon you. Phase two is upon you. This is where you will begin to see the fruits of what you labored. You will see the fruits which you've labored for. And he gives a scripture on Deuteronomy for us. I believe it's uh, Deuteronomy 611. He, he wasn't sure in the scripture. You're going to now... You're going to now take over the territories because you had to go to work really hard to till that ground. And it's when the next era, in this next era, this time, he says it's going to be tilling the soil and I'm going to cause it to grow, cause it to produce. And you're so going to see more fruit with less effort. And then they go on to say great grace. You see, the Lord has been speaking to us about the fruit. And I'm going to take you into my world. And I like to play video games. And I play in this video game. And I shared this with our team. How in this game, I can go and I can plant a tree. And in this tree, as I play this video game, it produces fruit. And the longer I let the tree stay, the fruit ripens and it switches to a different kind of fruit. It can go to like legendary fruit. It can go to this kind of fruit. And, and the longer it sits, the better the fruit gets. And when, when you then go and you harvest the fruit, you can get the gold. And with the gold, it has more power. It has more authority. It has everything that it needs to give you the tool that you need for that time. And the Lord told me, he says, you can't have that fruit. He says, because 
there's fruit in Ohio that you guys are about to get. And there's a timing for everything. So, in all that, we have started a class this past week on the culture of the kingdom, the kingdom culture, and, and it's been phenomenal. I want to invite you, if you're not coming to the class, you need to be coming to the class. It's about honoring the kingdom. Every Thursday night at 6 o'clock, we have worship, and then we, we go into the class. It's a school, and then we have food and fellowship afterwards. It's been amazing. But if you can, get here. If you're local, get here, get here. But we've been talking about fruit. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to read out of the Word, and I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because I feel it's going to read more clearly for us to understand. But I'm going to read out of Galatians. And you can follow me in your word if you want. And I have a lot to read. But I want, I want it's going to read like a story to you, and I want you to hear it. Because there's victory in the Holy Spirit. Victory in the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you get bored, it's okay. Fall asleep. But when I see you asleep, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to wake you up. But this is the Apostle Paul. And we're reading Galatians 5. This is Apostle Paul going when he talks about being commissioned as an apostle. So this is what he says. He says, Dear friends, my name is Paul. And I have been commissioned as an apostle of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. My apostleship was not granted to me by any council of men. For I was appointed by Jesus, the anointed one. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. I am joined by all my brothers and sisters who are here with me. And as I write you this letter, which is to be distributed to the churches throughout the region and the central Turkey, I pray over you a release of blessings of God, undeserved kindness, and total well-being that flows from our Father, God, and from the Lord Jesus he anointed, he's the anointed Messiah who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He has taken us out of his evil world systems and set us free through our salvation. Just as God desired, all glory will go to God alone throughout that time and eternity. Amen. Then he goes into verse 6. I am shocked over how quickly you have been astray from the anointed one who called you to himself by his loving mercy. I'm frankly <clears throat> astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. That is a fake gospel that is simply not true. There is only one gospel in the gospel of the Messiah. Yet you have allowed those who mingle with the law and grace to confuse you with lies. See, right here, Paul, he's about to tack, tackle the religious spirit. He's talking about the religious spirit. Verse 8, anyone who comes to you with a different message than the gospel, the grace gospel that you have received, will have the curse of God upon them. 
For even if we are an, an angel, well, I'm sorry. For even if we are an angel appeared before you to give you a different gospel than what you have already proclaimed, God's curse will, upon, will come upon them. Verse 9, I will make it clear. Anyone, no matter who they are, that brings a different gospel than the grace gospel that you have received, let them be condemned and cursed. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you with watered down by my message to be popular with men, but my supreme passion is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I would not be the true servant of the Messiah. And verse 11, he says, Beloved ones, let me say emphatically that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by a man or any man. No one taught me this revelation, for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus, the anointed one. But now you have heard the stories of how severely I harassed and persecuted Christians, and I did my best to systematically destroy God's church, all because of my radical devotion to the Jewish religion. My zeal and my passion for the doctrine of Judaism distinguished me among my people, for I was far more, far more advanced in my religious instructions than any others of my age. But then God called me by his grace and in his love. He chose me for my birth to be his. God's grace unveiled his son in me so that I would proclaim him to the non-Jewish people. After this, I had encountered, after this, uh, I'm sorry, after I had this encounter, I kept it a secret for some time, sharing it with nobody, no one. And I choose not to run to Jerusalem to try to impress those who had become apostles before me. Come on. Instead, I went away into the Arabian desert for a season until I turned to Damascus, where I had first encountered Jesus. That's him laying down his pride. You know, I wrote something on my Facebook wall the other day about prophets that are, if you know, you know. And there was a big old backlash because people didn't understand about laying yourself pride, pride down to allow God to be exalted. Here you see Paul. He says, I didn't choose to run to Jerusalem to try to impress those who had become apostles before me. I mean, he had Peter, he had all the, the apostles. Like, and he, didn't, he said, instead, I went away to the Arabian desert for a season until I returned to Damascus where I had first encountered Jesus. I remained there for three years until I eventually went up to Jerusalem and met the, the apostle Peter. And I stayed with him for a couple of weeks so I could get to know him better. The only other apostle I met during this time was James, the Lord's brother. And everything I'm describing to you, I confess before God, it is the absolute truth. 
after my stay in Jerusalem, I went to Syria and southeast Turkey. But I remained unknown to the Jewish believer in Judea. The only thing they heard about me was this. Our former enemy, who once brutally persecuted us, is now preaching the good news of the faith that he was once obsessed with destroying. Because of this transformation that took place in my life, they praised God even more. I'm going to be in chapter 2. I know I got a lot of reading, but I just, I want us to hear the story. 14 years later, I returned to Jerusalem. This time with Barnabas and Titus, my co-workers. God had given me a clear revelation to go and to confer with the other apostles concerning the message of grace I was preaching to the non-Jewish people. I spoke privately with those who were viewed as senior leaders of the church. I wanted to make sure certain that my labor and my ministry for the Messiah had not been based on false understanding of the gospel. That's Paul looking for accountability. Apostle Paul needed accountability. I met, um, sorry. They, they even accepted Titus without demanding that he follow strict Jewish customs. Before they would have received him as a brother, but since he was a Syrian and not a Jew. I met with him privately and confidentially because false brothers this, had secretly smuggled into the church meetings. He says he calls them false brothers. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord. <laughs> eyes to hear and eyes to see and ears to hear right now, Jesus. They were sent to spy on the wonderful liberty and freedom that we have in Jesus, the anointed one. Their agenda was to bring us back into legalistic bondages of religion. You see, you start talking about Holy Ghost. And you start praying in tongues and you pray in the Spirit. See, Paul dealt with that. It says that there were spies sent into the meetings. There were spies that were sent into the meetings where there were nothing but leaders. And their whole agenda was to what? Bring them back into the legalistic bondage of religion. But you must know that we did not submit. Oh, come on, Paul. <laughs> we did not submit to the religious shackles, not even for a moment. <laughs> you guys, not even for a moment, so that we might keep the gospel of grace unadulterated for you. Even the most honored and esteemed among 
the brothers were not able to add anything to my message. Who they are before men makes no difference to me. For God is not impressed by the reputations of men. So they concluded that I was entrusted with taking the gospel to the non-Jewish people. Just as Peter was entrusted to taking it to the Jews. For the same God who anointed Peter to be an apostle to the Jews also anointed me as an apostle to those who are non-Jewish. When they all recognized the grace operating in, the, in, my, in my ministry, James, Peter, and John, the esteemed followers of Jesus, extended to me a, warm, a warmth of Christian fellowship and honored my calling to the ministry, to minister to the non-Jewish people. They simply requested one thing of me, that I would remember the poor and the needy, which was the burden I already was carrying in my heart. Now I'm going to go somewhere else now. Now I'm going to go down to chapter 5. Because the Holy Spirit is our victory. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse. Listen, listen stubbornly refuse to go back to the bondages of our past. Verse 2, I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is a benefit in circumcision and Jewish regulations, then you're acting though as, acting though as Jesus, the anointed one, is not enough. And then in verse 3, this is what Paul says. I say it again. Emphatically this time. If you let yourself be circumcised, you are ob obligated to fulfill every single one of the commandments and the regulations of the law. See, Paul was writing... To tell them to get free from the religious mindsets. To get free from the way that they were thinking. He says, I want you to get free because Jesus paid it all. He finished it. He says, don't go back to your religious belief systems. Don't go back to what had you in bondage before. Verse 4, if you want to be made holy... By fulfilling the obligation of the law. See, I know of people that that they're so orthodox that they when their wives or their daughters are on their monthly, that they ask them to sleep outside the house. 
because they're, they're not pure. Paul addresses that. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligation of the law, then you're going to have to cut off more than your flesh. You have to cut yourself off from the anointed one. And you have fallen away from the revelation of grace. Religion will take you away from God's grace. But the Holy Spirit convinces us that we have received by faith the glorious righteousness of the anointed one. I love the way the passion says it, the anointed one. When you are placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. (laughs) Say that, nothing. Hmm. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought you through perfection by love. This is Apostle Paul talking. Before you were led astray, you were so faithful to Messiah. Why Why have you now turned away? For what is right and true? Who has deceived you? See, religion. I'm not going to say religion. I'm going to say a religious spirit. A religious spirit. Will get you away from knowing who you are. And what's inside of you. And it puts a level of deception that comes upon you that our eyes have spiritual cataracts that we can, we can no longer see. That's why in the garden, the first thing that they said to each other was like, they covered themselves. Why? Because deception had come in their eyes. And now they saw something which was pure. Now it was, they were embarrassed by it. Because sin. The one, verse 8, the one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Not at all. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? One deception that we allow to come into our heart, it'll, man, you, 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 uh, you welcome a spirit of unbelief. You know, unbelief is an antichrist spirit. It's a spirit of antichrist that comes in through, through unbelief. See, the spirit, of the, a religious spirit, it's a demonic spirit. And it's so deceptive that it gets you to a place where You think you're holier than thou, and you read your scripture, and you even talk King James. Excuseth me while I goeth to the restrooth. I'm kidding, but listen, the religious spirit 
will blind you from even knowing what's upon you. And you begin to judge believers who were set free from that bondage. Verse 10, deep in my heart I have faith that Lord Jesus, the anointed one who lives in you, will bring you back around to the truth. And I am convinced that all those who agitate you, whoever they think they are, will be brought back under God's judgment. Dear friends, why do you think the religious systems persecuted me? Is it because I preached the message of being circumcised and kept all the laws of Judaism? Not at all. There is no longer any offense over the cross. Verse 12. To tell you the truth, I am so disgusted with all of your agitators. I wish they could, they would go even further and cut off their legalistic influences from your lives. Paul's saying, listen, stay away from them. Those are the agitated, those that are dealing with this religious, demonic spirit. Listen, don't, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't hang out with people. But don't allow them to be an influence. Because then you will start to sound and look like the very thing that God is trying to get you free from. If you're dealing with alcoholism, don't be hanging out in the bar. Verse 13, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free from self-indulgence, that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. I want to read this part again. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing the love that we all do. Verse 14, for the love completes the law of God, and all the law can be summarized in this one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as they care for you, they care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like the wild beasts trying to destroy one another. You guys okay? All right. Let's go on. Verse 16. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings for your self-life. I'm going to take a drink to that. Let me read that again, because that was good. 
for yourself, life cravings, the things that, wait, I'm sorry. Verse 16, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. If we're still having cravings of things that are for our own selfish gain, then we have not come to the place of yielding our life completely to the Lord. in the word verse 17 for yourself life craves the things that offend Holy Spirit from hindering him from living free within you and the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your whole your old self life from dominating you so then the two incompatible are conflicting forces Within you, within you are yourself, life of flesh, and your new creation, life and the spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you are no longer living under the domination of the law, but you are soaring above it. The cravings of self-life, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others. Listen, chasing after things instead of God. That means that could be anything. It could be monetary things. Anything that you put above God is an idol. Can we just say that? It, it, I mean, people like, man, my motorcycle. Woo. If that motorcycle becomes an idol, sell it. Sell it. It says, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment to others who are favored. Come on. That's a big one. Why does so-and-so always get blessed? What about me? What about me? <laughs> right? Uh, temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. What does that look like? Doing things that causes, in your, causes disruptions in your family. It brings hurt to your wife. It brings hurt to your children. It brings destruction. And you're like, as long as it makes me feel okay, I'm okay. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties. And small um, and similar behavior. Haven't I warned you that those who use their freedoms for these things 
will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Listen, this is, this is important. If you're struggling in this area, and you're, selfish, you're all about yourself, and you're not changing it, Paul says, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? And that's the moment when you hear, but, but God, didn't I prophesy your name? But, but didn't I feed the poor? But he says, yeah, but you are full of pride. You are full of self-righteousness. Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and it's all varied expressions. See, now the Lord gives us the, 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 uh, the attributes of walking and the fruits of the Spirit. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentle at heart. And strength of the spirit. Never, listen, set the law above these qualities. For they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind. That we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced the crucifixion and everything connected with ourselves, our self-life, was put to death on the cross, crucified with the Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we be, never be ignorant or look down on another, for each of us is an original and we must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Jesus finished it. And we should all be full of joy that overflows. Can I get you to come up? We should all be operating with peace that subdues. We should be patient. Lord, give me patience. Sometimes I'm like, oh. But we should have the patience that endures. Kindness in action. How are you going to tell people you're full of Christ's love when you're treating everybody like trash? I've met people that have invited me. They don't know I'm a pastor, and they'll invite me to the church, and they're the rudest people. I say, I don't want to go to your church. Not if they're all like you. Just being honest. Where's the kindness of the Lord? Faith that prevails, right? What does that mean? That means if you're going through a problem and there's issues in your life, you have faith. You, are, you have victory. You've already won. You are victorious through Jesus. 
Jesus took all of the sins of humanity that day on the cross. And every blood that was shed was shed for you and I. And I'm telling you what, if you're battling any of these things, today you can be set free. If you want to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an altar call. I'm not going to ask you what you're dealing with. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because we put our faith in action. You want to walk forward? you got to take a step sometimes. If you need breakthrough, if you want to get yourself to the next level, I'm going to ask that you come up. And for those that are watching online, just right there, just put a little wave on the screen. And we're going to pray. Praise God. Because see, part of the breakthrough is saying, okay, God, here I am. Let me get my breakthrough. That's it. I love the, I love the scripture where it says that we, we break the tooth of the enemy. We break every tooth of the enemy and we render him powerless. We break the tooth of the wicked this morning. Where the enemy tried to come and he tried to bring you bondages. He tried to bring you and take you back to the place of bondage. Right now. Father, right now I thank you, God, that as they have stepped forward this morning, God, that you would bring healing upon them, Lord. You would bring healing upon them, God. And we break the cycle and we break the patterns right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We curse every root. We come against addictions. We break every spiritual bondage in the name of Jesus. You have no authority, devil. Devil, get out. Get out. Today is a day of breakthrough. A day of breakthrough. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So right there where you're at, just say, Lord, make me whole. Free me. Free me, Jesus. Now thank you, Lord, and celebrate. Celebrate. Come on. You are free. 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 Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, begin to worship. Just begin to thank the Lord. When the calm of the storm yeah, you can hear the Father singing. What are you saying? What are you doing, Papa? In the calm of the storm, yeah. You can hear the Father singing over you. What are you saying? 
Won't you show? 